Dr. Doreen Grand is the Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grand Dr. Grand Dr. Doreen Grand Dr. Doreen Grand is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Welcome back to the Autism Network Podcast-a-thon. We're glad that you guys stuck with us. And Parker wanted to know, where had I gone? Did I go get a bunch of uh, energy drinks? No. We had to change the set a little bit. But I am here right now with Ask Dr. Doreen and Dr. Doreen Grampichet. Hello we, again. We, we hope that you guys watched the last hour. How amazing was that? Oh, my gosh. That was so much fun. And I love them. They're so lovely, all of them. All three of them yeah, are really yeah, amazing they really guests. Are. And we loved that you guys wrote in so many comments. We, we're continuing this hour we're going to give away 10 more gift cards from Discovery Toys. We Amazing. want to thank Discovery Toys for that. I have one of one of their award winners I have yeah. here with me. Yeah. Um, this is Family Talk 2, and they have so many great things. Um, but this was one of the things that won an award a couple of years ago. And basically, it's a very simple thing, but it's a ring, and it's got questions on it that you can ask someone to be conversation starters. Yes. When you've got older I kids and, and, like, grandparents are coming. There's one that's grandparents. Um, they have several different versions of this. So I just turned to, have you ever... Uh, stood up for something you believed in, described the situation. And it's a great way to start a conversation as a family. We used to keep these in the, the bowl on the dining room table. I love it. As a conversation starter. So that's, and, and so many wonderful things. I really encourage you to check out our toy guide to see some of the winners from Discovery Toys. But better yet, when you win a gift certificate, go on their website and take a look around because they've got some amazing toys. And we thank them for being a part of the podcast-a-thon and making it possible for you guys to win mm-hmm. gift cards. Now, here's how this works. Well, as we're talking and you guys are asking questions, we want questions and comments. So every time you ask a question or give a comment, you'll be entered. You'll get one ticket that goes into a hat for that winner. Perfect. We're going to give away 10 um, gift certificates in this hour, 10 $25 gift certificates. Now, if you already won in the first hour, you won't be eligible, but please feel free to ask questions and comments anyway. Um, But uh, we're going to continue that. We're not doing that every hour of the podcast-a-thon, but especially here at the beginning, we wanted to give away a bunch of those. Also want to remind everybody that we, uh, every hour, the the guests and hosts will have uh, a charity that they want uh, donations to go to. You and I oh. feel very strongly about uh, a very special charity. Autism Care Today. Yes, that gives grants for things that families need and ask yes, for. Yes, yes. And we both feel very strongly about functional communication. Mike Hippel was with us last hour. I don't know if he's still with us, but Mike is a very outspoken AAC advocate. Right. Um, and so you will appreciate this, I hope, Mike. But we, we felt that we wanted to make sure that some more iPads got into people's hands. Absolutely. For functional communication. So we put our heads together and thought it would be good if my head would be bald. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like how that works? We're looking for any opportunity. <laughs> I, honestly, really. So I, I have agreed oh that if gosh. we raise a minimum of $5,000, because that'll be you know, a few iPads. Now, yeah. would we like to raise 10000 Sure. But if we raise a minimum of $5,000 in the 44th hour, which will take place of the podcast, that will take place on Thursday morning, what will you do? I will, with all joy and <laughs> happiness, shave <laughs> Shannon's head 
while we are live on the show. And and who doesn't want to see that? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I am too. <laughs> it's like let's just fast forward. Let's just do it. <laughs> if it wasn't that I I I'm I know that I'm going to want to take a shower immediately afterwards, I would say let's just do it now. But we also <laughs> want to raise the money, right? So right. we're asking for donations and um there is uh on my Facebook right now. I don't know if I put the link. We'll get you the link. It would be a good thing if we got you guys the link. But anyway, uh, right now we're it's all, we're hour two and we're already giddy. Oh my god! I can't imagine go how you're going to be 44? by like exactly. We're going to be uh, exactly. Uh, there it is. Look at how great Traven is. Oh, so it's great. givebetter dot com. Is it give better or give butter? Give butter. Excuse me, I can't read. <laughs> We're giddy. Give well. We just like how fun was it to sit with Joe Montaigne and Holly and Kobe? Honestly. I mean, come on. Uh, GiveButter.com/slash iPad challenge. A donation of any size helps us to get there. So uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, and absolutely love. We've got all kinds of people who are joining the conversation. Andrea is here. It says it was awesome. You guys are amazing. Uh, Alicia is here. And I'm so glad you guys, I put my email in the stream on the chat so that you guys could get my email. Those of you who were, who won gift certificates last uh, time. So this is uh, the first hour of Ask Dr. Doreen, where we will take questions, right. live questions. You guys can be writing in questions or, or comments. Um, but we really love the opportunity because Dr. Grand Pichet is a true expert in the field of autism. She's been working in this field for more than 45 years. 45. 45. <laughs> I mean, like, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah, like, I know. It's, it is a thing. And especially when I was talking to the folks on the previous hour yeah. and thinking, you know, when uh, Joe's daughter is in her 30s, I guess. And yeah. I, of course, as you know, I have um, a couple of kids who are in their 30s and... Uh, who are now married, and I love that I'm waiting for my first grandchild, right? Okay. <laughs> I haven't had that yet. But people need to understand, you're talking about kids you treated. Kids I treated. Because you also have kids of your own. Yes, yes. But, but I'm talking about kids I treated, yeah. and of course, uh, several of them are in their 30s, yeah. and... Uh, Two of them are married, and yeah. I'm waiting for either one of are those couples to have pop out to a have baby. a child. Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, and it's it, just talking to Joe and remembering what it was like in the 70s and 80s, and it's kind of a, a very different world now. It is a very different world. Yeah, and in some ways, great, and in some ways, you know, I yeah. wish we hadn't gone back as far as I, on some things that we have. Well, I, uh, I just think that it's it's a very very aware world, right? I mean, you know, Shannon, when I was in grad school, so that was like um, late 80s, and I was actually, my anyone would ask me, what do you do? And I'd say, oh, I work with autistic children. And they would say, oh, artistic? Are they good right. at art? Right. So, like, nobody really knew what this was, you know. And, of course, Autism um, Speaks did a lot for awareness. The movie Rain Man did a lot for awareness. Things have changed, as we talked about you know, you can go to a restaurant and order gluten-free, casein-free food. There's health insurance coverage now. Things have changed. Yeah. Um, at the same time, uh, the other thing that has changed is the prevalence is just continuing to increase. Yeah. Now it's 1 in 36 as of yeah. last week. Yeah. Uh, Eric says, give better would have been a better name, LOL. I'm with you. Uh, that's I why I, I saw don't it. really know but where give butter, give butter is, is more <laughs> memorable, right? Uh, Parker is, I don't know why you would apologize because Parker 
did a lovely thing today. Parker sent me an email today and wished us good luck. Oh my gosh, Parker. And so you should not apologize for that, Parker. I thought it was particularly lovely and it was very meaningful to me. So please don't apologize for that. Uh, 619, Poker King wants to know what is the difference between autism. I, first of all, I have to give mm-hmm. uh, a disclaimer because uh, I, we're, we're doing a regular show here. I have to give the disclaimer that although Dr. Grampichet is a true expert in the field of autism, I believe the preeminent expert of autism in our time. Uh, there is no one who can give individual specific advice in this format. So for those of you who might be tuning in to our program for the first time, uh, as I said, Dr. Grampichet has been working in this field for 45 years. And we would love a question from you about anything that you have going on as specific as possible. It also helps us to know where in the world you are because the resources are different in different places. If you say, I'm I'm living in St. Louis, or you say, I'm living in Sri Lanka, there are going to be different resources in those different places. So we don't need your home address, but just to know, like, you know, closest major city to where, where you live is helpful. Or if you're living way in rural um, that's good to know too, because mm-hmm. then it would be different resources. So uh, I started to say six one nine Poker King has written in and says, "What's the difference between autism and Jacobson syndrome?" Right. You know, and I love that you have raised this question because there are currently a, a number of genetic uh, syndromes similar to Jacobson syndrome that uh, an individual, for instance, will first be diagnosed with autism, and then later on it'll be discovered that they have Jacobson syndrome. Or sometimes now it, uh, it was, you know, it's, uh, I, I gave birth a long time ago, and recently I was talking to a friend of mine who's an OBGYN, and they have actually at birth, they offer you the option now of doing genetic really? testing at birth wow. with your child, which is pretty amazing. That yeah. is. Yeah, so... Um, the the way to explain this is that you know autism is is based is um, described based on a series of symptoms. So we have two sets of uh, I guess two areas where where there's a difference in individuals with autism. One area is social communication, and there are specific symptoms in that area that a person has to. Uh, have those symptoms. And then in the other area is the area of what we call stereotypic, repetitive, stereotypical types of behaviors. And in that, you have to have two symptoms. So you end up having three in the first area, two in the second area, and you get the diagnosis. However, there are several types of genetic syndromes that could also trigger those same symptoms. So ideally over time, like for instance with Jacobson syndrome, there will be several symptoms that are exactly the same. What you see in Jacobson syndrome and autism are the same. And there are other syndromes by genetic uh, disorders or syndromes that have this overlap in how they are seen in their symptomology. The ideal situation and what we geneticists have been trying to do for many, many, many years is to identify all the genes or gene mutations that go into the picture that we call autism. And they believe that it's somewhere around 30 or so gene changes, some of which have been identified and are called Jacobson, 
some of which are identified and called other types of disabilities or syndromes. But so there's overlap. But remember, with autism, if it is a genetic syndrome, we don't know all of the gene mutations that lead to that picture. We just don't know them yet. Uh, if we get to a point, and there has been some, I mean, a lot of money goes into genetic research. So there has been some progress, not as much as one would hope. But so, you know, uh, eventually I think what will happen, and hopefully this gives you a better picture, is that we have this huge uh, spectrum of autism. And I think what will eventually happen is we will have subtypes. And these subtypes some of them will be genetic syndromes, like Jacobson's. And there are other subtypes that are not necessarily going to be defined just based on their genetic composition. They might be def defined on toxicity or on some other environmental cause. But that's kind of how they overlap. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Uh, Amy wants to know, uh, first of all, I want to say hello to Robbie in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, Ooh, awesome. who is here for her 24-year-old stepdaughter. I'm so glad you're here with us, Robbie. Uh, but Amy wants to know, any tips on giving meds that need to be crushed? Right. My son is now gagging on the meds mixed with pudding. Yeah. I mean, eventually, our kids are super smart, right? Eventually, it ends up that they figure out, this doesn't quite taste like what I wanted it to <laughs> yeah, taste like. Can't get one past me. Yeah, you can't do it. So, uh, you, you know, you can, you, can, you can reduce the amount of the pill in the pudding. In other words, make it taste good again. Right. Or you can do what I suggest, which is actually to teach your child how to swallow pills. And that is not as hard as you would think. A lot of people think that's a super, super difficult thing to do. And honestly, it's not really. In fact, when we were doing this uh, um, just as a specific service that we would do pill swallowing, yeah. um, we had found that even the largest, most obnoxious, like if you guys ever saw a pill cam, this is a uh, capsule that is literally about like almost the size half of my finger. It's massive because it actually has a camera inside it. And when the child swallows it, a gastroenterologist is able to actually take photos as the pill goes yeah. through the intestines. And we would take, you know, young children, five years old, and teach them how to swallow that monster of a thing. Yeah. And it, the maximum time it ever took us to do that was around 70 hours. Okay. So it's not, you know, it's, it, what you do is it's a shaping procedure. And honestly, if you have access to a behavior analyst, the BCBA, they should know how to do this because it starts, it's, part, it's similar to feeding, but it is, uh, we have these specific uh, kits that are, multiple uh, like sections, containers that have some multiple sections, and it starts with something as tiny as a sprinkle, Yeah. right? So it's just a tiny, tiny sprinkle. And then we actually order um, things that continuously increase in size. If you go on Amazon, you can even order different capsules of different sizes. Yeah. And then in order to make sure that the capsule is not too light, uh, we would actually fill it with just, you can purchase also powder, which is similar to, uh, like, let's say, almond flour or something yeah. like that. And so you have these capsules that, like, so you have the, the sprinkles, and then you have 
another thing that is, let's say, the size of a split pea or a lentil or something. And then you just have you know, more bigger and bigger sizes until you reach that capsule size that you need. And you will have the child put the small, the object on their tongue, give them a glass of water, and just go on with it. What we tend to do is we make a huge fuss with our kids. And the only, I guess the only beneficial trick to this is that if it's a, and just when a child learns to swallow, and if they just put the item in the middle of their tongue, it will go down if they're not anxious about it. Uh, so that's why you start with very, very small things and make sure the child's very successful. There's one pointer that is helpful. If it's a tablet, have the child put their head back. If it's a capsule, have their child put their head forward. People don't realize that, but capsules float on water. So when you have water in your mouth, it's better to put your head forward because it'll go back down easier. Other than that, you just shape it and you do a gradual thing. And that way you can get to have your child swallow pills, which is so helpful. Like I had so many parents tell me that it would take them, you know, an hour extra oh. in the morning just getting their child to take these pills. I used to have the mortar and the pestle and I would be in there grinding up the pills. It's so hard. And, and, it, and it was one of those things that it seemed like it was completely insurmountable that we would yeah. never get to the point, and then it, it seemed like it was a blip in time. It was about a week, mm-hmm. um, and then suddenly he was able to take pills. But but I want to make sure that we stress, too, that every time that they do it, you're keeping it low-key and not you know getting them all nervous about it, but we have to heavily reinforce You them. have to reinforce, of course. So, like, as soon as they do it, you really want to, like, give them a spoon of some form of ice cream or something that they are allowed to yeah. eat, but that they... Adore, you know, yeah. some, their favorite, favorite reinforcer. Well, the famous story was the family that lived in Orange County, and th- their daughter's favorite thing was to go to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And they started the pill swallowing thing, and they and they said, you know, we're going to. And she was a little bit older, and they said, we're going to do this one and this one. And and then when you're able to swallow your actual pill, the minute that you do that, we're going to go to Disneyland. And and everybody around them was like, you know, what if she does it at a different, like a time? They were like, no, it's so worth it for our lives. And the day she swallowed that pill, it was like the car was already packed. Mom knew it was kind of coming that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they got right in the car I and love they went to that. Disneyland because it was that big yeah. of a deal for them. Yeah, it is. It's they, important. You know, that they were going to do that. So, yeah. okay, Parker, I absolutely, I just adore you, Parker. Uh, Parker says, here's a question I want to ask. I'm going to start the question session with a bang. All right. Uh, what are some resources on dating? Um, As you know, I'm 25. I'm jealous of love. A friend with higher uh, support needs is getting married in September legally. How can I find the one? I am afraid of either getting taken advantage of or being treated as someone's I did good project. Oh. I know. Basically dating me because it makes them look good in front of their friend's family. I would have asked this weeks ago, but now is the best uh, best time as any. Please help me. That's an amazing question. Um, yes. Parker, you are an amazing individual. You always ask great questions. You know, I don't know exactly where you live, Parker. Unfortunately, there are not enough resources across the U.S. for bringing people together. I mean, there's online dating, which which honestly, I have so many people that I know who complain about, like, just social, you know, like, on, on the online platforms. Um, maybe we can look for 
organizations where you are that would just provide you the opportunity. Because I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the stuff that will help you, but I think the opportunity is important. Now, I would say this to my son, so I'm saying it to you. Um, you have to find people in by doing things that are your your favorite activities to do. Try to think of hobbies that are that involve more than you know. They're not isolated hobbies. Things that you would do alone. Like for instance, if you like art, try to go to places where people are doing arts and crafts, like a art class or a drawing class or. You know, even like places where you can produce clay stuff. Um, Or if you like um, sports, try to get engaged with uh, physical activities or going to a gym is often a place where people um, find each other and begin to talk. Now, you definitely want to be prepared. So you want to put yourself first. You want to put yourself in uh, situations or opportunities where others might occur. And... By the way, it's not going to happen the first time or the tenth time. It could happen. You know, you got to keep going and you should. My advice is to try to focus on enjoying yourself rather than just focusing on, oh, my God, I've been doing this ten different times and I still haven't met anyone. Enjoy yourself. The more fun you have, the more likely others will be attracted to that because you're enjoying yourself, first of all. Secondly, prepare. Like, think of some questions that might be openers. As, you know, when Shannon was talking about this thing, I was thinking, oh, great. This is, like, so great for some of our kids who have social anxiety, right? So think of some things that might help you just open a question and practice them with someone who's a friend or mom or sister or cousin or someone, a female, who can tell you, no, that's a good way to open the conversation. That doesn't feel odd. Something like that. And actually, not just openers, but have enough questions to be able to dialogue for a little bit, right? Not a lot, just a little bit. And then perhaps a way to offer your own personal information or ask for the other person's personal information and, you know, uh, suggest perhaps an activity. This is why it's good to start with activities that you're interested in because if the other person is there, they're interested in that too. Right. And you might be able to meet up again in that class. Now remember, it could be anything. It could be an art class, a language class, a music class, a uh, some hiking group. It could be anything, right, where other people are there. So all that, so prepare and find the opportunity, prepare. And the fears that you have just realize that because you have those fears, you're aware. You don't have to be afraid of someone taking advantage of you because you're aware. If you have, if you meet someone and it appears to you, it feels like they are taking advantage or they are just kind of going out with you to look cool, then you know it. Then you walk away from that and you step away. One thing that's really important, Parker, is not to let any fear stop you from moving forward. That's all. It doesn't matter how many times you fail. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. As long as you keep moving forward and don't let fear paralyze you because that's the biggest mistake we all make. Amazing. Uh, Parker wants you to know that he lives in West Virginia. So, oh. um, 
uh, and, and he and I both have looked at a little bit at resources. It's a little bit thin there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes uh, we've seen people who say, I need something, and they discover that it's not there for them, so they create something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've seen people who have created a group, a social group, to do something. Yes. I, and I love your example of, and this is true for people who aren't on the spectrum too, Parker. I have a dear friend that was struggling to meet somebody that she really wanted to spend her life with. And a bunch of her friends were like, well, what kind of a guy are you looking for? And somebody recommended that she go and start taking some of the free classes at Home Depot on Saturday mornings. Yeah. She said, well, I learned how to grout my bathtub. Oh, my God. They're so good, right? those classes. Right? Yeah. She said, I learned how to grout my bathtub, and I met the love of my life. And there you go. And they've been happily together for 20 years. There you years. go. So, you know, you go someplace where, and I met my husband doing a play. There you go. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's, that is the safe bet. That's where the people who are your people are going to be when you're doing the thing that you like to do absolutely, anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Parker, you know, like you're one of the most self-aware people. Uh, and I love that you come on our show frequently because you, you bring up subjects that show how self-aware you really yeah. are. And I think that sometimes on the show you said to us that you you have anxiety about certain things. And here you brought up fear, which is very similar to anxiety in a lot of ways. And um, work on that. In the next hour, I'll talk a little bit about anxiety and how to manage it. And you're going to like that if you're around or later watch it, because I'm going to talk about some of the ways that our minds play tricks on us and make us fear things just because of the way we're thinking, not because of reality, but just because of the way we're thinking. So I think you should tune into that. I'm also going to recommend a couple of other hours during the podcast-a-thon. Dr. Kerry Magro is going to be doing two hours of stories from the spectrum. He has a book out about dating and love on the spectrum from the perspective of someone who's looking for love. Uh, Amy Gravino is going to host two hours, and she is an autism sexuality advocate and relationship coach. Yes, there you um, go. So she's got some great, great tips and advice for you. And then Tom Island is going to be doing a Stories from the Spectrum for us where the whole subject is going to be about dating, love, relationships, and That's marriage. amazing. And he's going to be here doing that talk with his girlfriend. She is not on the spectrum. He is on the spectrum. So you'll have a really frank conversation with that. So check out those hours, Parker, because I think uh, you'll find something really good there. I want to go to Angie, who says, how to help with hitting. It seems to be worse when the other child is crying. My son is five and in ABA. Yeah. Oh, so uh, we enter challenging behaviors. Yes. um, And it is... It's fun. It's interesting that, not funny, it's interesting that you brought up it seems to be worse when the other child is crying. Um, I'm experiencing that right now with one of my own patients and with, a, with a baby who has just entered the, mm-hmm. his world. But what I wanted to tell you is, uh, in general, when it's a behavior that is challenging, the first thing you want to remember is that it is communication. When our kids cry, hit, tantrum, aggress, run away, spit, whatever it is, they're trying to communicate something. Often they're trying to communicate something that is so frustrating that they can't, and they can't either don't have the verbal capacity or can't find the words to express how they're feeling. Just, you know, two hours ago I was chatting with Kobe and he was telling me, 
that when he was much younger, just textures on his skin were so irritating that he had such a hard time ex- saying that or expressing yeah. that. And, you know, obviously then he would scream or cry or get away. And, you know, in this particular case, in every challenging behavior, whenever it happens, you want to ask yourself the question, um, what are they trying to communicate? And that is in ABA language, we call that the function of the behavior. And the key to it is uh, we as human beings are always trying to communicate two things. One is that we want to get closer to something, or the second is we want to get away from something. And some examples of that are you want to get more attention. That would be one thing. You want to get more uh, tangible items. I want to get my toys. I want to get a nice car. I want to get whatever it is. Um, I want to get more money as an adult. I want to get uh, to go outside and play as a child. You're always looking for something that you want to get more of, or you're trying to avoid something, which is I want to get away from this classroom, which is forcing me to sit down. I want to get away from uh, these people who are telling me to, what to do all the time. I want to get away from this crying baby because that sound is bothering me. I want to get away from clothes that are too irrit- irritating to my skin, whatever it is. If you can try to figure out which what it is the individual is trying to communicate, and the way we as behavior analysts figure that out, by the way, is that we observe lots and lots of times. And for instance, you've made a big jump already. You've realized that the crying increases when there's a baby around. Is it a baby around? Is it a crying baby or a child is crying? Maybe that sound is bothering your, your child. Uh, that could be it. Or maybe your child is just afraid they will lose attention because this other individual who's crying is going to get the attention. When you figure out what it is, You teach your child, you model exactly how to communicate that in a more adaptive way. So instead of of aggressing, hitting, can they say, I don't like this noise, I want to get away from here, or I don't want you to play with that child, whatever it is that they, that would fulfill what they're trying to communicate, how can they communicate that to you? doesn't even have to be verbally. They could just give you a card that represents, you know, noise. This noise is bothering me. They could give you a card that represents, I want a cuddle, a hug, attention. Whatever it is, if they can communicate, then they won't hit. Because remember, the hitting is a form of communication. So what we try to do is we try to teach our kids how to communicate in more adaptive ways rather than challenging ways. Amazing. I want to remind everybody, write in your questions and comments right now. We're going to do last call on those because then we're going to pick winners a little bit later. Um, and we're not going to get to all the questions and comments, which I apologize to, but we'll continue on um, and get to as many of them as we can. Um, uh, Susie, hello, Susie. Susie wants to know, can you talk a little bit about texture sensitivity with food? We can't get our son to try different foods. Yes, So this is, uh, um, feeding Susie is also one of those things that behavior analysts, some are trained to do. We used to do a lot of feeding programs. And you have to identify the textures. Um, You've already done step one, which is you've identified that there is some sensitivity. Now you have to kind of figure out which ones. Like sometimes kids are sensitive to 
um, mushy foods. Sometimes they're sensitive to crunchy foods, salty foods. It depends on what it is. And basically, once you've identified that, you will now have one plate or bowl of a food that is highly desired, a huge, powerful reinforcer, and then a tiny, tiny morsel of the texture that your child doesn't like. And you just do that. You give, you say one tiny little bit and you get this bowl of ice cream, let's say. And you start there and your child's like, okay, I guess it's worth it because I really, really want that bowl of ice cream. So you give them that t- quarter of a spoon of whatever it is and then a big, big reinforcer. And then over the course of the next two weeks, three weeks, you gradually increase the amount of the textured food that they wouldn't like, and you will decrease the reinforcer a little bit so that it's almost even with the others, and then they become interchangeable. But you have to do it very gradually. Now, I I explained it, and it's usually pretty simple, but then remember, there are kids who have never learned how to chew, for instance, and there, if your child has not, if it's more than just texture sensitivity and they're not able to chew or swallow, then I think I would refer you to a professional. Speech therapists are often trained also to do feeding therapy, so you just need to find someone to do that. Otherwise, if he has been eating some things that are different textures, but it's this one particular texture that is hard, then I would try to shape it that way. Okay. And, you know, here's the thing that we get so emotional about the food, right? Mm -hmm. And we get, and it turns into a battle. Yeah. And and one of the things that I learned from you guys was, do you see where it is? Yeah. Uh, One of the things that I learned from you guys is that I needed to get unemotional about some stuff. And that I could, you know, that there wasn't an argument, there wasn't a fight that I could just say, so, you know, would you like to have this ice cream? As soon as you have this one little tiny taste of it, you can have the ice cream. And then I'm done. Yeah. I don't need to belabor it. I don't need to beg. I don't need to cajole. And, and you know, our kids are so sharp. You know that sometimes, like, they pick up on our energy mm-hmm. and go, okay, this is not a non-negotiable thing. Right. And right. if you're all hysterical and saying, please, 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 then, yeah. then they will... Oh, I love how our kids, when, when it's not your kid, when it's your kid, it's a whole I other know, thing. But our kids get hysterical and they will gag and some of them will make themselves throw up and, it's, and, it, and it turns into this whole Emmy award winning performance, yes. right? And you just don't need to participate in it. It's just, it's, this is what's here. And, and, and if you don't want that, then you're not going to have that. Yeah. And that's just all that it is, but you can have it. Um, but it's unemotional, right. no histrionics, no right. war, no battle. And even, and, and no discussion even. Yeah. Like a lot of times I like to have like visual, mm-hmm. like so it's like a visual picture of the object, the, uh, the reinforcer they yeah. want, and the tiny morsel of thing that you're asking them. So you would like, you know, chew a quarter of a carrot and I will give you a bowl of ice cream. Yeah. Those two pictures. And, and then just let them decide. And you, and you get very busy with some little thing that's right there at the table, so you're not ignoring your child, but right. you're folding the napkin or doing whatever, drawing your attention to something else and letting them see this is not a big deal. Right, right. But when you do right. it, then it's a big deal, and then you get the big reinforcer. That's okay. Uh, I, I want to get to, we've got a lot of people writing in about body changes. Mm-hmm. Bear started it um, by saying, good evening, I'm the father of an autistic child. My oldest son is 12. We're living in 
Las Vegas, Nevada. Are there any books on body changes for this age level? I've been I racking know. my brain. Yeah, I'm not sure there are. Well, there's a need. Somebody needs to fill that need. Absolutely. And maybe there are. And you know what? We'll look. And if we can find something, then we will shoot you an email if, we, if you send us your email. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I want to get Or to if the... maybe some of our viewers have an idea. Yes. Do you, write things in. I haven't scrolled down enough to see. Maybe somebody did. Uh, NJZ says, we have a three and a half year old that does 40 hours a week of ABA therapy. Good mm-hmm. on you. My wife says that biomedical treatment is essential for recovery. How important is it? And is it a good investment for us as parents? What a great question. What a fantastic question. You get a gold star. And, and thank you for throwing that question at me. Yeah. Because honestly, it's like, I love the opportunity to be able to talk about this. So it, um, biomedical interventions could be the key to the success of your child. They could be. Not every single child needs biomedical interventions, but a lot of kids that I've met have benefited from biomedical interventions, and I'll tell you specifically what I'm talking about. So, for example, a large percentage of the children that I meet and diagnose and treat have gastrointestinal issues, like they have bloating, they have reactions to certain foods, uh, they can't digest, sometimes there's diarrhea, sometimes there's constipation. That in itself is something that's very disturbing to anyone. And if your child is going through that experience, for example, not only are they struggling and possibly have pain, but they're also not really digesting their food properly. There's not enough nutrition getting to their brain. Uh, When there's inflammation in the GI tract, the immune system is mostly in the GI tract, so you're going to affect their immune system. That issue needs to be treated because then you have a child who doesn't have uh, you know, reactions to food, doesn't have bloating, doesn't have constipation or diarrhea. They're feeling better. A lot of times this kind of thing also affects their sleep. So they might be sleeping better. Or say you just have a child who has sleep disturbance or this difficulty. That has to be treated. Let's say you have a child who has food allergies, is not able to digest certain things. If you don't figure out your child's food reactions... When your child eats particular foods, like let's say anything with gluten or anything with casein, just as an example, could be corn, could be soy, whatever, they'll eat that thing and the protein, that protein, like casein is the protein in dairy, will break down kind of halfway. When we break our proteins down, they they first break down into peptides and then they break down into amino acids and then the rest of our body can benefit once they're down to the level of an amino acid. If they don't, if they break down in, in, in the chain of peptides, then those peptides can also cause havoc. They can leak through the gut lining. They can give our brain different messages. In fact, we've found, research has shown, that gluten and casein peptides can mimic endorphins. So they can affect the brain the same way endorphins would. So our kids are kind of like tuned out or zoned out as if they've had alcohol, for instance. Speaking of that, another thing to find out, obviously, from a biological perspective is if the child has yeast issues. Some of our kids do. And if they do, that's going to definitely cloud their thinking. So for me, 
being able to figure out the biomedical issues is step one. Because if you do that, and if you're able to keep your child medically stable, healthy, and that means they're sleeping well, they're not ingesting foods that are affecting their brain in a negative way, then they can really benefit from ABA because now they're fresh, awake, learning. I mean, imagine if you yourself, for instance, had a food allergy and they gave you that food and then they wanted you to do 40 hours of ABA. You'd lose your mind. So we want to make sure that our kids are feeling as good as they possibly can when we give them all this ABA so that they can learn more. That's kind of... And then that being said, I've also had kids who did not have any of these biomedical issues, but yeah. it's definitely worth, worth the evaluation. And the, bio, the, the field of biomedical is so large. I mean, there are so many different things yes. to try. So um, Amanda wrote in and said, I noticed as my son's spontaneous language and conversational skills are increasing, his speaking in Mandarin mm. has decreased. It's probably about an 80% decrease in just a few months. For me, it's a win, but does what does this say about him and what's happening? Mm. Also, she wants us to know that she is doing biomedical interventions. I'm loving that the that the spontaneous language and conversation skills are increasing in English. Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming it's in English. Yeah, I think it so, is. And that's, I think, part of it, Amanda. I think it might just be that he is reaching a different level in English. And maybe there's a lot more conversation going on around him in English. And so as he does reaches that level, his comfort is more in English. Uh, you know, for instance, I could say I speak several other languages, but obviously English is one of my two that, that are the most comfortable. And so I will always have higher conversational skills in English and, and let's say another language as opposed to, you know, German or French. So I will reduce my use of those where my conversational skills are not as strong. So that's a that's I would say that's a good thing, Amanda. So I would be excited about that. Yeah, and I love that she is sleepy. Mama fourteen says my child was extremely premature, and we were told that her autism and IDD was caused by brain bleeds. How do I interact with folks who assert that ASD is just natural v- variation of human experience? <sighs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you know this is the thing with autism, and that's kind of what I was talking about a little bit earlier today. You know, there are, it's a series of symptoms and there are lots of different things that are causing it for different individuals. You know, I was very engaged for many, many years in trying to identify some of the subtypes of autism we call phenotypes because there are so many, as we heard from some somebody earlier, Jacobson syndrome, you know, and uh, obviously some sort of uh, injury to the brain could cause those symptoms as well. There are seizures. There are kids where nothing is happening until they have seizures. There are so many different things that could be leading to those symptoms. It's, it's hard to talk to people about this. No one should ever yet say, I know exactly what causes autism, because we don't. There's multiple different things we know can trigger it, but all of those things are also different. And what triggers it in one child is not going to be the same as what triggers it in another child. And, you know, so if someone suggests that they know more, 
I, I don't, you know, you just ignore so them and move on. It's yeah. so hard sometimes. Yeah. You can't convince every, everybody of everything. Hey, we're here at the end of the hour, and many of you have written in questions that are about anxiety. Surprise, How did that surprise. that I know. Well, we went a couple of minutes over um, in the last hour, but I want to get us a little bit back on track so that we're sticking with the clock. Um, so we're three minutes away from the anxiety talk, but I wanted to take this opportunity to tell the 10 lucky winners of the Discovery Toys gift certificates that are worth $25 on their USA website. That'll come in the instructions that I give you. So I'm going to list off 10 names and I'm going to ask you to please email me. We will, and in a second, I will put my email into the chat, but it is shannon at autism-live.com. When I have your email, then I will be able to email it back you, uh, the gift certificate and the, the, the rules and regulations that come with it, but you'll have a good time with it. So are you ready um, to cheer for the happy winners? Uh, Joanne Crawford, you have won. Rosie Alvarado, Matt Spiel, Andrea Waldron-Zimmerman, M. Lou. NGZ022, Hallie Becker, Bear86, Jason Mertz, and Tin Foil Barbie. Love your handle. You guys have all won a $25 gift card. We want to thank Discovery Toys for making that possible. And you'll definitely want to check out the amazing toys that they have. We've given them so many awards in our toy guide because I just love, love, love their toys. Um, So uh, we've got just, well, we don't really even have a minute. What am I saying? We're going to sign off from this hour. And then when we come back, Dr. Doreen is going to give her very specific talk about anxiety. And hopefully there'll be an opportunity for you guys to ask You've been asking a lot of questions, some of which probably will be answered yes. during her presentation, but there will be an opportunity at the end, perhaps, um, if there's for time, questions. And then, for questions. And then, of course, over the next two days, I'm doing several more hours yep. of Ask Dr. Doreen. I'm happy to answer any questions that we don't get to answer next yeah, hour. Yeah, we apologize that, you know, it, it takes a while to answer, but we love that you guys are writing in. Please make sure that you're sharing the feed with other people so that other people can hear the answers. Don't forget that in the hours coming up, uh, after the Anxiety Talk, there will be a special Autism Live with Dr. Stephen Shore, which I think you guys are going to really love. And then the hour after that, we will have Dr. Temple Grandin answering your questions live. So that's the first five hours here. Uh, and then great things. Check out Autism uh, Network. Dot com and click on the calendar so that you can be following around along with who the guests are and what's happening in what hour. So stick with us. We'll be back in just a minute with Ask Dr. Doreen, The Anxiety Show. Yay! Don't forget, you can watch Ask Dr. Doreen live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time. We hope to see you there.